Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Welcome, Rush Nation, to the Daily Fantasy Sports Show. Mark, the start of a new era. Fan team season-long NFL contest week one team reveals. I am so excited. I know you are as well. How are we doing, Mark? It's been a week since we last spoke. I feel like it's been weeks, but it's only been a week. It's been an amazing week, hasn't it? All of a sudden, all of a sudden week one is upon us. Yeah. Which, um, which just seems to have really sort of caught up with me. And um, we have a lot of content to go through. Yes, we do. It's it's getting to that point now where it's hours rather than days. It, it like That is where the countdown is at now. I cannot wait. I think one thing that's important to just point out, first of all, Mark, I think for new listeners to the show, and we did cover this off in the strategy pod that we covered for the fan team season-long contest last last week, but for listeners that uh, maybe missed that show or are new to the show, basically what we will be covering week on week is our team reveals, essentially, and what we decide to do with our season-long teams in terms of the transfers and the strategy behind that, we've decided to change our tact a little bit, Mark, this this year. Last season, we were very DraftKings focused, very, you know, Sunday main slate. There wasn't really... It, it's the kind of content that was out there, shall we say. 
and we decided that this season we were going to change it up a little bit. We decided to partner with Fan Team, and we will be bringing you weekly live shows, hopefully, weekly podcasts and weekly articles about the season-long contest, which is a really exciting contest that has been launched for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Get yourselves over to Fan Team Filter 2. I think it comes up as Football Mark because um, it is referred to as football, obviously, in the States, not soccer. Um, the two are different. But, yeah, if you filter down to football, you will find the contest. It's about £8.40 to enter. Get your team in. The deadline is Thursday. Absolutely You've got to get your team in soon. You will be able to enter after this week. Um, if it's the same as other season-long contests that Fan Team run, Mark, there will be an average score of the people that have entered. And if you decide to enter on week two, you'll more than likely enter with that average score of the field. Sometimes that's actually a good time to enter because you get a bit of a look for you know, some of the depth charts and some of the players that maybe weren't in your plans, maybe come up in your plans from week two onwards. So it's always a good time to reassess at that stage. If you've not entered, get yourself in on week two, but definitely get your lineup in before Thursday. That lineup, that that deadline is fast approaching, Mark, isn't it? So, you know, you've got to get your team in. Hopefully this will help you. It is It is fast approaching. The um, Every week, the lock is going to be before the Thursday night game. So something to bear in mind. On a normal week, you will at best have the Wednesday injury reports. But as anybody who's played NFL, any sort of DFS NFL um, contest before, injuries don't change enormously through the week. You usually know pretty early in the week who's going to play. It's... Um, it's quite where I can think of one time it happened last year where we got surprised at Zeke Elliott being out. But other than that, it just doesn't really happen. So um, Thursday night lock it is before the Thursday night game. And yeah, and then we're hopefully going to help you help you through the season. We've had a lot of questions from people before this, a lot of questions on the fan team Discord from people who are say, experienced at FPL but want to know about the NFL. One thing which I think, I hope you agree with me with Nick, is we're not really entirely sure at the moment what's going to be the optimal strategy. We don't even know what would be a good score on a week by week basis. I'm thinking it will be about, it will, it will, we get 135 million. So I'm thinking 100 sort of point per million would be quite a good score. I don't know though. Um, it's, it's hard to tell because the pricing basically dictates how you're going to, how many points you're going to get each week. Um, because of who you can play it's hard to tell at the moment so that's one of the things we're going to learn together on on this journey with you all and um, but hopefully if you listen to the last pod you heard me and Nick talking about lots of different types of strategies with roster construction talking them through I think for anybody just sort of the quick summary of that was there is no bad roster if you're spending your money I don't think there's such thing as a bad lineup neither of us particularly like the two tight end construction but that was about it. Um, but as long as you're spending your money, I don't think it's such a big thing as a bad starting lineup. Yeah, that, I, I completely agree, Mark. And you know from us speaking today that I've changed my lineup about four times today. And each time it's not been a bad lineup, but there's been there's been differences and reasons why those lineups were different, but no bad reasons as to why those lineups still couldn't score equally or, or one score as good as another. So 
you're completely right in what you're saying. There are no such thing as a bad lineup. And one thing we know about the NFL is, yes, it can be variable, but a lot of the time, your players that you expect to perform do perform. You know that that's we we've got so much statistical history for that, and the players that you're expecting to perform at a position, there's a chance that even if they're not maybe inside the top three, the top five, if you're expecting them to be, they'll be there and thereabouts bearing injury. If you haven't had a chance to actually listen back to our strategy podcast and you can squeeze it in before the deadline along with this one, I would definitely urge anyone to go back and listen to that. Um, Like you said, Mark, this is new to us as well. One thing I will say is for anyone who is playing this as a bit of a convert from the Euro competition over the summer or anyone who has started playing the uh, Fantasy Premier League competition uh, you might have a keen interest in in the NFL and you've decided to jump on this as well, which seems to, that's something that seems to be happening in the community, Mark, like you said, with Discord chatting on Twitter. Um, You know, if this is new to you, just remember it's new to us as well. One thing I will say though, is we have got a lot of experience in the, the NFL fantasy side of things. We've got a lot of experience in the DFS side of things for this, this sport. So, Hopefully, what we'll be bringing you each week will resonate and you'll be along the same kind of lines, but it's going to be a big learning curve for us as well because we haven't played this kind of season-long contest before. We haven't had this kind of planning and it does still work a little bit differently to normal fantasy, even though it still appears a little bit like normal fantasy in how you construct your roster. There is definitely differences there, Mark, and I think you'd agree with that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um... As I said earlier, everything is dictated by price, really, I think. And obviously, these are pretty unique prices. The prices are very, very tight. It's, it's. I would say, pretty much impossible to play, to feel comfortable with a, with every position. I don't know if you agree with that, but I find it, I, it doesn't matter how I construct lineups. I'm always taking one or two gambles, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's, um, and because of that, I think it's going to make it really interesting I think what will happen is after a few weeks, some obvious value will become apparent, and then and then and they'll become highly rostered players, and then it'll, it'll kind of end up being the how you play, say play the other pick the other seven week to week, how you plan for your bye weeks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you also have a wild card you can use at some point, but I think most people are planning to use that towards the end of the season because of injuries. Mm. Yeah, I think the transfers will definitely come in handy there with the two transfers you get each week and the one that you can carry forward if you don't use both of those transfers. So you can accumulate a maximum of three transfers to use within a week. Anything beyond that, there will be a penalty to take a player out. As as we know from things like Fantasy Premier League, it worked exactly the same. So it is essentially a blend of the two kind of contests, NFL Fantasy and Fantasy Premier League. So it will feel quite familiar with a lot of people. Um, I think touching on the wildcard mark, I suspect, I, well, I'm hoping I'll be using mine towards the end of the season or certainly after the bye weeks are out of the way. But if 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 need be, if, if the opportunity presented itself um, and it was right to use it early on, I'm certainly not not discounting that as well. Um, you know, th- that option's there on the table. And wildcard, when you feel 
you need to make enough adjustments within your team to either keep up with the pack, overtake the pack, or if you've just got injury issues, which we know can crop up in the NFL sometimes, those two transfers might not be enough to, to satisfy that need within your team. So there's no right or wrong time to wildcard in this, but that in itself, I think, will be a learning curve for us because we've we've never had to use something like that when we've played NFL fantasy or daily fantasy sports. Yeah, I think um, I think traditionally zigging when everybody else zags is a pretty good way to play um, DFS, but with this sort of season-long style of contest, I'm not. I don't think you have to zig so much. But you use the wild card could be the way to do that. If everybody else is waiting towards the end of the season and they're making compromises because they're doing that, then you know, jump ahead of them all. You know, just get, do your wild card in the middle of the buys and stuff. Or if you if something becomes apparent, like a particular team, especially a team which has got um, lower rostered players on it, um, has a has what looks like a really good stretch of games. A little bit like we saw with David Montgomery last year in Chicago and stuff towards the end. But if you see something like that in the middle of the season, then that could also be a reason to use the wild card. And I think it might um, sort of allow you to jump, catch up the field or go past them or whatever a little bit. So, but who knows? We guess we, we kind of, it's all speculation right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and one thing I would say is don't panic with this. If you do fall behind in week one, there's a chance that in week two you might catch back up again because it may just be that one or two of your players haven't performed how you expected. So I would say even though we do have 17 weeks this season, Mark, 17 weeks of football, just be patient with... 18, I think. 18? Yeah, 18. I'm, I'm yeah. doing a short week of football there. Yeah. 18 weeks. So be patient. You know, the results don't always come in week one. Um, I mentioned this on the strategy podcast, but trust your process, trust why you've chosen those players and, and remember why they're in there. And, you know, if you've got someone like a, a Calvin Ridley who maybe doesn't go off in week one, he could be catching two touchdowns in week two and you, you could you could quickly claw that gap back on, on the pack that you're chasing. So be patient with this and obviously be adaptable as well. Learn as you go along, as we will. Um, one of the things you mentioned, Mark, Twin tight end is out for us both. I think that that's no secret for anyone that listened to the pod that we, we did last week. Is there anything, before we do get into the lineup shortly, is there anything that you have surprised yourself with or anything where you've changed your approach from when we spoke last, tactically? I think, actually, you might have changed my approach a bit. And we'll see that with the lineup that you're going to show us um, later because almost every lineup I created... I would end up with like five or five sort of premium players, one middle one and two gamble players, as it were, and just kind of hoping that that some obvious value would you know manifest itself pretty early doors. But having looked at your lineup, which we're going to do at the end, I think there's only really one gamble player in your lineup, and I think that's making me think I need to maybe reevaluate. So I'm going to this lineup we're doing today. I'm going to keep this lineup for week one, injuries permitting, obviously. And but I've got other lineups in the contest, and I might be stealing yours, Nick. <laughs> you horrible, horrible man. <laughs> and, and then I basically keep it the same until week eighteen, and then I'll just make one change to yours, and I'll. Yeah. <laughs> 
if it was anything like tears last season, Mark, there'll be no <laughs> beating going on. Only, only me. Old news, victory. old news. Everyone's forgotten <laughs> about that. <laughs> Why do you think we're not doing tears this year? <laughs> yeah, the whole reason we've moved away from the, the DraftKings <laughs> yeah. talk was Mark just couldn't stomach it any longer. He was almost quitting the pod. I had to talk him out of it. <laughs> didn't take long. No, no, it didn't. Before we do move on to the week one team reveals, support for the five-yard rush daily fantasy sports show is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped has recently launched their fourth-generation trimmer mark, the Lawnmower 4, all across Europe. It is fantastic. I've used it myself. Um, it, anything that you feel, I know that you've got one as well, Mark. Anything that you feel is is great about the lawnmower four? I can categorically say it is the greatest below the waist mower trimmer, whatever you want to call it, I've ever owned. <laughs> and... I, 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 I told you, Mark, last week. It's it, my my lawnmower doesn't do as good a job as the lawnmower 4 does. My actual grass lawnmower does not do the job that the lawnmower 4 does. Maybe no, you should I'll... use it then. It'll take a while. <laughs> I think there's some uh, health and safety risk there, yeah. to be fair, Mark, you, could, but... you could do it in the dark as well, because it's got like 4,000k <laughs> lights. Yeah, with the light, different different trim yeah. settings as well. No, in all serious, Mark, it is an area where you, you should definitely not be neglecting, and I think far too many people do. So you should absolutely join the 2 million men worldwide that trust Manscaped. We do have an exclusive offer for you. Um, we do have 20% off and free worldwide shipping. You just need to go to manscaped.com and use the code 5YARD. There's some nice little package deals on there as well, Mark. I know that you're sporting the T-shirt tonight, but oh, they've yes. got some really comfortable underwear on there as well as part of the package. Um, so definitely check out manscaped.com. The code is 5YARD for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Thanks very much to Manscaped for supporting the pod, as always. Mark, the time has come. The team reveals. So, without further ado, Mark, let's get that team up. Okay, here we go. So, this is my team. I think I'm going to start... Because we so love talking about this, I, let's start a tight end. We start a tight end. <laughs> yeah, for, any, for, any, for anyone who wants to drop off the tight end conversation, you can come back in about 20 minutes. We yeah. should be done with it then. Uh, well, this will be the first of our tight end conversations, don't forget. Um, okay, so I've got Tyler Conklin of Minnesota in there, 9.5 million, which is a fantastic price. Now, this isn't just about Earth Smith going down. Last season, I heard this. I heard this stats on another pod, so I just had to go and check it. It was accurate, but it is accurate. So last season, in the last four games for Minnesota, both Conklin and Irv Smith played, and despite Irv Smith being there, Conklin still had over twenty-five targets, and he actually outscored Irv Smith two out of the four weeks, fantasy-wise as well. So I think there's a bit of a connection there. I think it's a great. Pivot. If you're playing, you know, regular weekly DFS, I think it's a fantastic pivot play off of Thielen or Jefferson. 
because um, you can't really stack those anyway. So because they're too expensive in reg in regular DFS for this week. So Conklin for me is a great player. And at 9.5, he allows you to pay up in other positions. I think it doesn't matter how I looked at lineups. If I'm not playing Kelsey at tight end, I just don't like my lineups. And um, and even with Kelsey in there, I don't particularly like them either because <laughs> I prefer that money to be spent at receiver or running back. So this is where I am. Dan Arnold got a look-in as well. He's like 10.5, I think. Top of the Carolina Panthers um, death chart at the moment. Um, had some nice games, a few nice games for Arizona last year. So, yeah, but I've gone with Conklin in this case. Mm, That's it. I know that you mentioned it to me earlier, and I just hadn't considered him at all, but I think it's a perfect price point, really, if it is a position where you are not targeting a Kelsey Kittle or Darren Waller. I think it is the kind of price point that I would probably target someone at um, because I think, essentially, if you're not bringing in one of the top three guys, maybe Mark Andrews you could add to that list as well if you see the if you feel that there is value there. And I suppose some would argue TJ Hawkinson is, is Dewey's breakout season finally though i know that you think otherwise mark which is why you're shaking yeah. your head public um, service announcement don't pick tj hawkinson it's just a world of disappointment <laughs> <laughs> i know that you're very bitter on tj hawkinson mark um but yeah i think if you're not going with one of the top three or four guys i think it's it's a good position to punt because it's so varied and when you actually look at, I mean, we looked last week at who was tight end eight last season and Rob Gronkowski was tight end eight with 45 receptions, which is is half what a, a, a top receiver, even like a top wide receiver two is likely to get you throughout, throughout the season. So I think if you're not going with one of the top guys, someone like Conklin at 9.5, it's a, it's a good punt because it has a potentially high ceiling for the price point and the floor, even if the floor is, is low, which it could be given the offense he's in. Um, I think it, it, the low floor at 9.5 isn't disastrous anyway, because when you look across all the positions for that matter, there isn't really massive value at 9.5 anyway. So I think the funds it does free up, it allows you to go, Really, really, really strong and stack your funds elsewhere, which you've clearly done throughout yeah, the rest of your team. I think that even if he doesn't work out, say week one, there might be and and if you if you're lucky with injuries as well, say especially say week one, there might be somebody else who becomes more apparent, more offers better value around that price point. So um, um, the other thing was the changes on this because in my original lineup, I had instead of Conklin, I had Logan Thomas. But that meant that I couldn't have Calvin Ridley. I had to have, well, in this case, I had Traquan Smith. And actually, Traquan Smith plus Logan Thomas, I'd rather have Ridley plus a punt tight end, personally, big, for, for many reasons. So, because um, I think Ridley is, is going to be a you know top three receiver this year. Last year, he was, he was still... This year they've lost to Julio Jones, but he was doing it without Julio Jones anyway because he was injured for half the season last year. Yeah. So I think, um, so I think, so I think Calvin Ridley is just top top player, and he'll probably be in pretty much every one of my lineups. 
What um, Cooper Cup? I know you're a fan of his, obviously as well for both fantasy yeah, and non-fantasy and stuff. And his his price at sixteen million, I think, is really good value. And that's that price range is a bit of a funny price range as well in the receiver position. I think um, because there's actually some there's some quite good value there, like uh, T Higgins and and um, C D Lamb, um, Julio Jones himself, um, Chris Godwin. Players like that. So if, for whatever reason, I don't like Cup, there's plenty of options at that same price point. I think that um, something to bear in mind with having two transfers a week is that's great, but you're. I feel like most weeks you're going to be using at least one because of an injury. So if you can do a transfer you want to do by only transferring out one player rather than two to create salary like you would do an FPL or something like that, then I think um, then I think that's good, and that's why I kind of like playing the higher price players. So, yeah. I think that that price point you mentioned, Mark, at sixteen, the of the receivers you've mentioned there, I think, I you, you I mean, you saw one of my lineups that I did earlier, and I had two of those guys at sixteen because the, it it is a bit of a raft of talent there. You know, you mentioned some there: Cup, Higgins, Lamb, Julio Jones, even even Lockett. You know, at 16, he's, he's probably still going to get somewhere around 95 to 105 receptions over the season. Um, there isn't, outside of DK Metcalf, there isn't much else there in Seattle to take that from him. Um, he's super reliable in terms of he, he barely misses any time at all. I, I don't think he's missed many games throughout the last few seasons. So then you've got Chris Godwin. And then even if you're dropping slightly below that, You've got some really high upside in Jamar Chase if he hits the ground running. You've got Brandon Ayuk. You've got Robbie Anderson there. Cortland Sutton at 15.5 could be one to keep an eye on if, as the the off-season reports are saying, that he's really explosive and you know he's got that burst back. He's, he's completely rejuvenated from his injuries you know I, I hope that is the case because he'll definitely be in my thoughts at 15.5 if, if that is the case so yeah I do like that price point my only issue with that 16 million price point was I just could not decide who I actually wanted within my team but I don't think there's a wrong one to have Lamb and Cup are probably the two that stand out for me Um I think I think Lamb has the the potential to be a top 10 receiver this season Cup maybe top fifteen, so yeah, it's um, it's a difficult price point, but I I love that I love those receivers and um, talk me through Watkins seven well, mil Watkins sneaking in there. You you got me onto Watkins. I don't know why I'm talking <laughs> through it, and also he's a popular guy with the five yard rush family, isn't he as well? So yes, he's yes. um he's number three on the um, depth chart at the moment, in slot position. Uh, I know you have your own sort of doubts about this as well because we talked about it before but um he, he as much as anything he's a he's a player who should be on the field quite a lot and he's only seven million and therefore he allows you to pay up at other positions i think um and even if he doesn't work out for the first couple of weeks i'm kind of thinking somebody somebody else will become apparent because the prices aren't changing during the season so if phantom have mispriced somebody badly then you can take advantage of that all season. So that's yeah. what I think. I think there's we we spoke about this, Mark. There's some receivers around that ten to twelve million bracket that have high upside 
but could the the floor could be exactly what the floor is for Watkins and Watkins is costing three to five million less. Um I think what I like is situationally there's Devonta Smith first season, there's Jalen Rager, second season, first season, very disappointing. Maybe it wasn't what they thought. That remains to be seen. You've got Miles Sanders there. Um Outside of that, the only thing that concerns me with Watkins is that it's likely to be two tight end sets, I would imagine, in, in Philadelphia because they've got Dallas Goddard and, and Zach Ertz is still there. We know he's more than capable. So that would be my only concern. But like you said, at seven, it's he's one of the cheapest players, actually, on, on the contest that you can own. And... He's had a really good preseason, so a little bit of this, and it won't come as a surprise. He's also in my lineup. A little bit of it for me is is the hype from the off season as well. Um, yeah, I'd, I think I'd, he's I'd, also down as a kick returner or something on special teams at the moment. So you've always got that possibility of like an extra touchdown, maybe or two during the yeah. season. I think he's he offers something a little bit different that you don't get from the other receivers there um, as well. You know, he's got good size. He's 6'2". Um, but, you know, the, the Eagles players have been saying in the off-season that, you know, people people haven't really taken notice of, of Watkins yet, but they will. He's been training with Calvin Ridley, apparently really, really working on his route running. So it, it, at 7 mil, it feels very, very low risk. And I like it because of... It, it literally just allows you to spread those funds in in so many places. I think if I wasn't on Watkins, I think I would probably be looking at, I think my cheapest receiver then would maybe be 11 or 12, and I'd probably be looking at someone like a Marquez Callaway. Um, but even then, I still don't feel that confident in owning someone like that. I think I'd rather take the drop, go for Watkins, and then use the funds elsewhere to really bolster other positions. Yeah, if you look, it's a good point you make because actually, if you look at, through a lot of those players, sort of between the seven million and say the fourteen million, a lot of them are still are wide receiver threes at best. At best, you have some sort of um, you have some players that could do something like um, Zacchaeus of the Falcons may well step up into kind of the, the role that Gage had last year. He's a possibility, and that's eleven million. We've got to be like Deshaun Jackson. We've got to wait and see how he he could actually end up being the best value if he stays fit all year and with the you know the new quarterback and the presumably more more potent offense, he could end up being the bargain of the season, couldn't he, Deshaun Jackson? Mm. But um, but there's not much to get excited about. So if you if you're putting somebody in almost like a placeholder, then you might as well spend as little money as possible. You can make yeah. a case for a lot of those ten, eleven, twelve million pound players but none of it is lots of it is you know what ifs yeah as it's, it's guesswork isn't it? it's projections at this stage and another one really low down that has my eye is Calif Raymond at Detroit who's listed as the wide receiver two on the depth chart but again the, I think the wide receiver situation in Detroit is so much up in the air outside of the apparent wide receiver one um in Williams I think it it's you know the the targets could go anywhere, and anyone could emerge as the wide receiver two, wide receiver three. The you know I'm a, I remember I sent Brown could could step up. So you know we don't know, and I think if you're gonna go at a price, I think um, 
you know, you might as well just go as cheap as possible, like we have with Watkins. Yeah. You know, if you're going to really balance so. your receivers, then th- there's nothing wrong with picking a Marquez Callaway or or someone like that. You know, the you know, Jacoby Myers at thirteen point five has the potential to put up some some good numbers this year of, of what we saw last year. But I just think there's a lot of question marks, like you said, Mark, with that. Um, anything up to up to around 13, 14 million, really. It's just question marks everywhere. It just it's littered with receivers that just haven't really done it just yet up to this point, or receivers on on the sort of the downturn of the careers, if you will, rookie receivers who we don't know what role they're going to carve out in their offenses just yet. So, yeah, Watkins. Let's let's see see what happens with Watkins. Move on to your quarterback then. So, yeah. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, which is not exactly a a hot take, is it, Kyler Murray? Um, he's, so, as we talked about this last week a little bit, the rushing quarterbacks are kind of like the old Konami cheat code. And, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, they're three of the top four. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is up there as well. I think you can make, you can make a case for any of these quarterbacks at that price. I mean, I don't think... I think the quarterback pricing is good because I think you're paying more for the what should be the better fantasy quarterbacks. Um, Kyler Murray had a great year last year and he was injured. He had a sore sh- he had shoulder injury, didn't he, for quite a while and stuff, and he still managed to um, score a lot of points. So he's um, he's going to score points through the air and on the ground, I think. And the great thing is, because he's 19.5 million, if I want to, I can get another top quarterback for any week I want, like Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, if he gets back to full fitness. I think that um, Jalen Hurts, 18.5, would be my. I want to keep an eye on him and see if I can save a bit of money there if I'm getting a similar production, because he definitely has the talent. Whether or not he has the pieces around him the same way as Kyler Murray does, that's another question. So. I know that I know some there'll be people who are liking I've seen a lot of lineups playing sort of those 18, 17 and a half, 17 million pound um, quarterbacks like Stafford, Burrow, Ryan, Mayfield, those sort of players. But for me, I want one of these top running quarterbacks. Yeah. I think if you look at PPR scoring last year, I think Kyler Murray was third of all players only behind Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. Um, when you actually look at the difference in what he's scoring versus someone like a Baker Mayfield, for example, there's there's like 120 points, 130 points in difference, which if you if, if Kyler Murray is going to be a bit of a set and forget kind of player for you, um, you know, that that's a big point swing. And I think at 19.5, He's, for me, he's probably the best option that's of those top five priced quarterbacks um, because of the fact that he does have that dual threat capability to his game. Um, I think it's probably a, a better situation in Arizona as well for him this season. Well, I suppose that remains to be seen. Um, but I'm, I know obviously AJ Green's there now. There the might be you know, little to no production that comes from AJ Green, health dependent. But when he is healthy, he's you know he's still a good receiver, still capable contributor. Rondale Moore's there now. You know, Chase Edmonds looks like he's he's going to take up the 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 share of the carries with James Connor. 
but we know that Kyler Murray is still going to scamper around like he does. So I think the the points will still be there for him. Um, I do like a couple of the cheaper quarterbacks. I know you mentioned Jalen Hurts, Mark. Mm-hmm. I do think Matt Stafford's going to have a big season at 18. I was, I was very, very close to having him in my lineup. You know that. Um, if I was going super cheap, um, I'm still intrigued by Sam Darnold at 16.5. And if the San Francisco 49ers become Trey Lance's team at 16, I'd, I'd be a little bit tempted there at some point in the season as well, especially if he starts balling. You know, Jameis Winston, we know Jameis Winston is a good fantasy quarterback because he throws a lot of touchdowns and he throws a lot of yards. He has also thrown a yeah. lot of interceptions in the past as well. But I think he's he's probably a better fantasy quarterback than a real-life quarterback in that sense. And I think at 16, his, his price is worth worth a look as well. Um, but yeah, I think early doors, like you said, you have someone like Kyler Murray in at 19.5. It's a very easy pivot then to move to someone cheaper. I can't see myself going north of that and and getting a a Jackson, Mahomes or Allen, but I can certainly see myself dropping Kyler Murray down a little bit if there is an emerging cheaper quarterback um, where I I do like the run of games and then freeing up the funds to improve the lineup elsewhere. But great option. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And and Kyler Murray did that third place finish with an injury as well. Remember last year. So, you know, fitness wise, he, he, if he, if he stays fit, he's, I, I think he's nailed on to be the highest fantasy scorer of the year. I really do. I really do. He's, he's that talented. Um, but now anybody who's really eagle-eyed will notice I pretty much spent most of my money at running back, though. Um, and this is, um, you know, a, you don't have to be an expert to understand that um, Christian McCaffrey and Alan, Alvin Kamara are good players. And they're good plays. What I would say is, like we talked about with the um, Kyler Murray and Al- Calvin Reed a little bit, little bit is, if I want to change things up because I've got all that money in one or two players, it makes it easy to move it up, change it up. So if for one week, for whatever I, reason I wanted Tyreek Hill, say, it'd be quite easy to do that because I've got the funds for it. Because I just, just temporarily dropped McCaffrey, I think McCaffrey, not Kamara, and then I've got Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah I can do Kamara as well at the same price as Devontae Adams is the only one as more. So it gives you lots of options there. I think um, I've got, at the moment, Joe Mixon in as my third running back. Initially, when we did our first look at our first teams, I had Austin Eckler there at the same price. But I don't really like his chances on week one because he's going up against the Washington defence, who I think are going to be very good this year. They were very good last year, but they've actually improved. And they've got a lot of players come back from injury. So actually, that third running back again. If I if I'm not if my transfers aren't being used up by injuries, I think that's one I'm going to end up changing because you know I saw some Antonio Gibson um, videos on my Twitter timeline today, and I was like, well, I've got to play him now instead. <laughs> and but we'd already agreed that these were the lineups and stuff. But at that price, you can have like Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, um, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson. Um, I'm not sure anybody else I'm particularly interested in. And even someone like Jonathan Taylor, we've got to see what happens with his workload. Um, I think he's possibly more of a, you know, traditional DFS play than he is for this. 
Um, but yeah, so that that third running back, I think, could be one where I end up changing them quite a bit. Yeah, I love that lineup, Mark. It's the strength of your team for me is in those running backs. Um, you know, with it being PPR as well, I think scorers like McCaffrey and Kamara, they're, they're going to be right up there because you've you've got the extra points they do contribute out the backfield for both the teams heavily it's you know you look at the teams they're on and the offense is built around those players which is rare you don't tend to get many offenses built around a running back because you have such a high turnover at the position but McCaffrey is that good Kamara is that good and I like the flexibility it gives you as well like you said it's an easy pivot again to you know because of the flexibility in roster construction, transferring out McCaffrey and transferring in Tyreek Hill, though it's over two different positions, that is just one transfer that you burn in there for that. Um, so yeah, I, I think really... it also, I think that also gives you on the say uh, McCaffrey's bye week. I can um, I can then just switch to one of the high high price receivers. You don't have to replace him with a running back who isn't going to be as good. Yeah, I think what I like with it as well is because. There is that health question mark over McCaffrey, who's had his niggles over the last two seasons. I think if he doesn't, if he doesn't hit the ground running, or if he does pick up a little knock, it's it's easier to move off someone that's that's the highest price that you're going to get at any position at twenty million, and it's easy to move to a different position than if you wanted to, and it potentially then opens up a cheaper running back coming in as his backup as well. So, you know, there's always that to consider and you're freeing up funds there elsewhere as well. This is where this game is going to be really, really flexible, really adaptable uh, as things as things happen, as the season yeah. unfolds, basically. I think I think the trick will not to be rigid about it because, for example, I don't... If you've got four wide receivers and you get, you've got a bye week for, say, a really expensive one, you don't have to replace him with a wide receiver. You can replace him with a tight end or a running back, and I think it's the same. I can't if I've if I've got to take McCaffrey out for a week. It doesn't make any sense to to sort of save money and have somebody who's not as good as a DeAndre Hopkins or a Devontae Adams or a Tyreek Hill. It just makes sense to go for another premium player, or maybe that's the week where you put Travis Kelsey in. Yeah, yeah I do end up with the two tight ends for that week that week only and stuff. So I think we had a brief discussion about this before we went went on air, but I think that's the beauty of the sort of stars and scrubs lineups on here. I've seen a lot of lineups where they're all the players around 16, 17 million. I just don't think they give you the same flexibility when things go wrong, like injuries have happened and stuff. Uh, so I think all my lineups are going to be stars and scrubs the way it stands at the moment because that. Um, on here, my DST is like a nine million pound DST. It's, it's Houston in this case. Uh, it's just because their first game is against Jacksonville, who have got a, a rookie starting quarterback. Um, now, I know he's a very good rookie starting quarterback, but even Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning was bad in his first year. So, like, that's the defensive position is so variable. You can't, you really can't predict it. You can, you can tell over a season that, say, New England should be pretty good and stuff. And I've already mentioned the Washington defense, but I don't ever. And I, I said this so many times last year as well, I think, too, Nick. I don't ever want to lose out on a skill position player because I've spent the money at defence. No, absolutely not. And this is an area where if I was applying 
any sort of tactic from how I play normal fantasy football to how I play this, it's that your defence should be absolutely the last thing that you pick in a draft. It's, unless it's a, a league that is geared towards scoring with defence or it's there's some kind of special scoring there or it's IDP, your defence should be your, your absolute last pick of the draft or second to last pick if you've got a kicker in there as well. Um, I'm treating this exactly the same. It's a nothing position to me. Um, I have gone with a slightly more expensive defence and I've gone with a 9.5, which you'll see shortly. But I think it's it's one of those might where, it, it, you know, you've got the transfers there and I don't envisage over the course of a season I'm going to be burning transfers on defences. But there's, there's such a variance out of defences in terms of scoring I just would not get hung up in putting your budget into that. If you're going to spend on a defence, cap it at 10 million, absolute max. It shouldn't be any more than that. That completely. And um, I'm, I was trying to think this afternoon of reasons you would do spend money on your defence and possibly the idea that if you were lucky with injuries, you wouldn't need to use up all your transfers. So would you then, would you then start streaming your defences and stuff? But you can't guarantee that's going to continue. That you're going yeah. to be lucky and stuff, and then suddenly you get stuck with the defenses playing the top six out of the top ten offenses for the next sort of run of games. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if if you're new to this, I really wouldn't put too much thought into the defense. Uh, years and years of historical stats show you that it's such a a random position in fantasy. And to yeah. be honest with you, I I prefer I prefer that we didn't have to pick a defense at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then again, I'd rather we didn't have to pick a tight end either. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you show some love to the tight ends, Matt, because I certainly am when I'm going to show you my team now. So without further ado, my team, week one. So we start with Darren Waller. I know you're not on the, the, the Darren Waller train, Matt, but I just can't really get away from him at, at 16.5, targeted as much as Travis Kelsey was last season. Uh, most receptions for a tight end, uh, an upward trend in his touchdowns as well, which is what was lacking from the season before. It, he had pretty much the same kind of production, but just without the touchdowns in the season before. Last season, he, he managed to notch up nine. So at 16.5, I think he is a great price. If you're, If you were to say to me that someone who finished the season with only only 30, around 30 points less than Kelsey, 25, 30 points less than Kelsey, is going to be priced 2.5 million less than him in this game. I would have told you, you're crazy. That is definitely not going to happen. Um, one of the reasons why I like Darren Waller is not much has changed really in, in Las Vegas in terms of the receivers there. Um, we've got Henry Ruggs season two, Brian Edwards season two, third and Renfro in the slot. Um, and then outside of that, we've got Zay Jones, Willie Sneed. It's it's quite clear to me that yet again, Darren Waller is going to be consensus wide receiver one in Las Vegas. There's not really much else for Derek Carr to aim at. Um, I know they've brought Kenyon Drake in, Josh Jacobs, up to this point in his career has shown us he's not really a receiving running back. So there's no concern for me in terms of targets going elsewhere there either. Um, 
I think 16.5. I, I think he, he will make a mockery of that price over the season. So that's where I'm going with tight end. I know you don't necessarily agree, Mark, with the, the high price at the tight end, but I think, um, you know, I, I did toy with putting Kelsey in my team earlier and I just didn't like it as much as I did with Waller in because I feel like you are, you're getting a wide receiver one with Travis Kelsey. We know that he scores practically as well as a wide receiver one does. Um but not quite as well. So for that similar kind of price, you're looking at a Devontae Adams, a Tyreek Hill, a Stefan Diggs, who all scored more than him last season. So the fact that you're getting someone like Darren Waller at 16.5 and producing the kind of numbers that we got from Justin Jefferson in in his his record-breaking rookie season last year, absolutely welcome to my team. I'll let you into a little secret. My very first lineup had Waller in it as the tight end. The thing is, and I actually, this isn't a stat I haven't researched before we come on here, and I hope you know it, know if it's true or not. But I have a feeling that didn't Waller score like a, get a sixth of his yards or something in that one game against the Jets or something like that? Like a fifth or a sixth of his receptions? He had a fan, he had sort of a monster game with like 15 or 18 receptions or something and a load of yards and stuff. Um, and that's fine, but he's not—he's not like a Derek Henry or a Tyreek Hill who does who has those sort of outlier games more than once a season. I don't think. So if you if you do the sort of the old statistical thing of taking away the top and the bottom performances out of a season, I just I just don't think he's worth the money. But your arguments are pretty compelling because because in Vegas there isn't much else. There really isn't much else. Uh, so yeah, and he was in my original team, but I just. For me, the, the money, I just prefer to use money elsewhere. As we've mentioned, a lot yeah. already. I just prefer, I personally just prefer the money elsewhere. If it's not Kelsey, it's no one for me. Yeah. Fair enough. And I know that that is your thoughts on it as well, um, evidently mm. with Conklin being in your team. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I'm right on it, Mark, and I hope you're wrong. Um, it wouldn't yeah. be the first time. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> The receivers, I think we, we've covered Watkins off more than enough. So he's in my lineup for the exact same reasons that he's in yours, Mark. And I think the other two receivers that are on the lead, they need little to no introduction whatsoever. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, probably the safest pair of hands in the NFL most consistently, um, you know, season on season. Stefan Diggs had the most receptions out of any receiver last year. Again, I think he's in a similar kind of situation whereby there's not really much that's changed in Buffalo. He's still going to be wide receiver one there. Um, there. There might be some further emergence from Gabriel Davis, potentially. I know they've brought Emmanuel Sanders in. I still think that the the lion's share of the targets are going to go to Stefan Diggs. Um DeAndre Hopkins, as I said, you know, his production speaks for itself. I still think that there's two receivers there that come the end of the season. Certainly Hopkins will be top five. Diggs, I think, certainly has the capability of being a top five receiver again this season. Whether Sanders impacts that or not, whether Cole Beasley impacts it if he gets his act together and um as long as he's on the field with all his uh, COVID thoughts and views and things like that. But I think Diggs still has, he's certainly got top 10 
he's I, I think that's that's a given. I think he is going to be a top ten wide receiver, potentially pushing the top five. And I think it, you can get both of those at eighteen point five and eighteen. If I'm going with three wide receivers, I want two big hitters. Uh, you know, certainly to cushion Watkins as well, who's at a seven. I know I showed you a lineup earlier where I did have a construction of four wide receivers, two of which were Lamb and Cup. Um, the other one, I think, maybe was Keenan Allen, maybe DeAndre Hopkins. But I, I just, I, I love the look of those two in the team. I love those two big hitting receivers. So there's not really much more justification I can give than that. They do speak for themselves, really. Yeah, you don't need to. I mean, the Buffalo offense should be so exciting again this year. I'd love to be able to get Josh Allen in the lineup that I really liked. I just feel like just even that half a million makes such a difference. I think, um, but yeah, I mean, Allen's been Josh Allen's got better every year, hasn't he? Every season, and Stefan Diggs has benefited from that last year. I think Hopkins and Diggs are going to be top five. To be perfectly honest, I don't think. I don't think. Now, these sort of high-priced receivers, I don't think anybody's going to particularly... Um, I'm not sure who's going to sort of break through into those. If you sort of, I'm not, sorry, the top four of Adams, Hill, Diggs and Hopkins. You've got people like Ridley and Jefferson underneath who've got a chance. But I think those top four are priced there quite correctly. Um, and again, like, you know, one of the... I chose Ridley as my 18 million as opposed to Hopkins. The only reason I did... That was because I wanted to really not stack. We talked a little bit about stacking last week on on the pod. I I sort of made a conscious effort not to stack there because obviously you reduce your variance if you if you don't stack, and also it means you have less things to be concerned about on that bye week for the team which is stacked. Yeah, as you as you will have with the cards, but yeah, the cards are one of the highest, fastest paced offenses last year. I think that's going to continue, and um, you know, I think Chase Edmonds is going to be another good option for them at some point, possibly for some weeks if you're looking for a fill in. Yeah, um, I... Hopkins. I, I mean, you look at his his opening three games. He's he's got the Titans, Vikings, Jags, and then he plays the Rams. Um, I mean, he could be out by week four for me there. Um, the Rams kept him fairly quiet last season compared to his his standards anyway. Um, but but that is the impact of Jalen Ramsey. So he may be gone by week four for me, but again, it's at 18. He gives me that, that pivot point. I think there's some compelling cases to be made slightly lower than that with Jefferson at 17.5. AJ Brown at 17.5. Alan Robinson, if if there's better quarterback play in Chicago, Alan Robinson is is a great price at 17. Keenan Allen's another price, I think, at 17. You you know what you're getting with these kind of receivers. You you're getting massive target share, you're getting a lot of receptions, and you, you know, the they're the kind of receivers Alan Robinson is no stranger to the end zone. Likewise with Keenan Allen. Um, you know, DK Metcalf, you can even throw in there as well. So it's an easy pivot for me if I do want to downgrade slightly and free up a little bit of budget to go a little bit bigger elsewhere, maybe at running back, um, you know, even dropping down as low as the, the 16s where we've already touched on some of the really good receivers that are priced down there like Cup and Lamb. Um, but yeah, that, I'd, I think with, with Hopkins and Diggs, like I said, I'd, 
having those two bona fide wide receiver ones, top five receivers at that in the league, it's it, there's there's just massive massive potential, massive scoring potential there. I shouldn't be disappointed in my receivers week on week. Put it that way. And this is the difference between our lineups, isn't it? Because you're you've got such a dependable um, receiving core there, which I definitely you know don't have to quite the same degree. Um, but then equally, when we get to your running backs, we'll see we've taken very different approaches to that. So yeah, and I think I I would class. Darren Waller is a receiver almost mm. in, in, you know, he's a wide receiver one for me as well. I, I, how I look at my lineup, Mark, to me, I have three wide receiver ones. Um, and that's simply because of, of the workload he gets as well. So yeah, if it stays that way going forward, we shall see. Um, but I, I certainly like it off the bat. The, there's a little orange little orange mark around Diggs's name there. But as far as what I've read, he should be good to go for week one. So fingers crossed on that. If he isn't for whatever reason, obviously between now and the game going live, if I hear anything on that, he will be out of my team. But as far as I'm aware, he is good to go for week one from all the reports I've read his return to practice. So I think he was a player who was always on the list last year quite a lot on the injury list and he always played. So Top yeah. players also. This is something for people who don't know much about this or haven't played NFL before. What you tend to find is even the top players, even if they're the questionable tag, tend to play. Yeah. It's it's more the sort of fringe players who are on the questionable tag who don't end up suiting up. Yeah. Kyler Murray, we've spoke plenty about Kyler Murray. I've got him in for exactly the same reasons. You have, Mark, like I said, I, I did look at Stafford and I think that's a great price and there's some reasonably priced quarterbacks slightly lower than that, but I am going for the certainty in in Murray and given his price point, again, easy to move off if I wanted to. Easy to cover with another quarterback on a bye week. Running backs, so we had McCaffrey the same, Mark, um, we mentioned on the last pod, you know, with, with McCaffrey, what you get in the in. If we were drafting in a fantasy league, and it was PPR one quarterback, Christian McCaffrey is the first name off the board in almost every draft. That might have changed slightly following his injury, uh, but as long as he comes back at. You know, even 95, 90% health, that shouldn't be the case. Um, McCaffrey was an easy decision, I think. The, the only downside is obviously his price. He's priced at 20, which is the highest price in the game. There's only three players priced at that, which is you've, you've got Allen at Buffalo, you've got Mahomes at Kansas. So he's priced with the guys that are scoring the highest. But I think he warrants that price. Um, one thing I have got my eye on is how Saquon Barkley looks upon his return because we were talking earlier offline that you had a consensus pick one and pick two there really in, in PPR drafts or redraft fantasy leagues. And if Saquon Barkley comes back anything like the player that he was, what we've seen, what he's capable of, 18 is a really, really good price. I really like that. Um, but there's just that question mark over over the health, I suppose. He's coming back from, I think, two big injuries now. And I don't like that in a position that 
it's it's such a it's such a physically demanding position running back and it feels like a transfer waiting to happen but i hope i'm wrong and he comes back and he's he's superb like we know he is you'd um if you took in put in barkley and stafford you'd end up with what, four and a half million extra to spend but this and this is this is where the construction is so important i just don't see how you're going to improve your team massively with that four and a half million yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is that's just something to bear in mind. But yeah, Barkley was um, last year. I mean, I saw plenty of drafts where he went for McCaffrey. You know, it was either who's like, who you're going to pick and stuff. And obviously, he got injured in straight. Yeah, you know, I think it was was it, was it week one he got injured in. I think it. Barkley. Yeah, I think week one or yeah. week two, maybe it yeah, was yeah, very yeah. early on. Yeah, but he was definitely a definitely a number one pick at that point for most people. So a lot of people, sorry, not most, a lot. So yeah, um, he could if he comes back to full health, then that's great. It's just one to monitor, I think, for the season, like you say. Definitely, might be one to get in around after his bye week or something like that, and then you know he sort of you know he, he hits the ground running, as it were, because he's back to one hundred percent. Just one to yeah. bear in mind. Um, I'm going cheap with my next two, Matt. Or cheap certainly for the the position anyway. So the chance reared its head when Etienne went down for the season to, to get a 40 million RB1 into my team with, with James Robinson and I'm certainly not passing up that chance. Um, you know, we know what James Robinson did last year, the surprise of last season um, as, a, as an undrafted free agent and only 14 games started and still finished running back number seven in, in PPR scoring. You know, if he plays all 16 games there, He's, he's probably running back five. I don't think he'd... Well, he's probably running back four, as a matter of fact. I think he would probably have overtaken David Montgomery's output. Maybe not Derrick Henry, but I think he'd have certainly surpassed Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones and David Montgomery. Um, at 14 mil, the, my only concern is it's, it's a new offence. It's a new quarterback. That said, if Trevor Lawrence has his struggles early on, they might lean on Robinson a little bit more than people might think. Um, and I think what some people forget about James Robinson as well is he is a capable pass catcher. And people think that maybe that's why Etienne was drafted and brought in. Um, but, you know, James Robinson still finished the season with 49 receptions, 344 receiving yards and three touchdowns um, out of the backfield as well. And when you compare that with some of the players around him receiving running backs, you know, he, he was ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. He was ahead of Kareem Hunt. He was ahead of um, the, the the likes of Clyde Edwards-Hiller, Jonathan Taylor. He was ahead of him. You know, he was just behind Giovanni Bernard. So there's 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 still opportunity there for me. There's nothing really behind him now in Jacksonville that I think threatens his his share of carries. So at fourteen, I think it's a great price. Um, if it doesn't work out. I'm not too disappointed because at the end of the day, it's 14 million. And we've already discussed that there's not much at 14 million throughout any other position that I think would give me the potential output that a James Robinson can, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that McCaffrey and Robinson are going to be the most popular combination of running backs or possibly actually maybe the most popular combination of players in the whole contest, I think. Uh like you say, Robinson allows you to get RB1 and save a lot of money. I suspect there's going to be other running backs that become apparent 
during a season of a similar price who will be able to do well. One th- another thing we've discussed previously is, and um, you know, again, this is for people who, if they don't necessarily follow the NFL as much as we do, if a, if a running back gets injured, often his replacement can um, score as well as the original running back or get, certainly gets as much opportunity. That doesn't happen so often with wide receivers or tight ends. Uh, I think, you know, there's this sort of James Robinson story doesn't really happen that much with wide receivers. So, so I think that, uh, and as you, you know, we've already, we already, we've already seen a case of this happening already with your, with your other, with your other running back, you know, um, sort of opportunities, everything at that position mm. and touches are as well. Yeah. And that brings me on nicely to my last running back, which is uh, the Gus bus, Gus Edwards. Um, we were talking about prior to the, the pod and, I think, like you said, opportunity is everything. And even with limited opportunity thus far in his career, he's been nestled behind Mark Ingram, um, J.K. Dobbins to a lesser extent last season. Um, he obviously they've they've got Lamar Jackson there in Baltimore, who is practically a running back for them. It's like having two running backs in the backfield. Um, but even with limited opportunity, he has still managed 700 yards minimum in his last three. So every season he's been in the NFL, basically his last three seasons, and he averages five yards per carry per season minimum. Um, last season, one of the things that was quite telling was he was getting goal line touches as well. So he actually had a, an upward trend in his uh, in his touchdowns last season. Prior to last season, he'd only had four in 2018 and 2019. Last season, he had six. So for me, again, opportunity there. Um, 12 mil, he's priced reasonably well I think there at 12 um, as a backup really but he's now coming into a starting role um, nothing else behind him on the depth chart Justice Hill we know is injured JK Dobbins is injured I think Tyson Williams is maybe worth keeping an eye on at 6 mil as well um, certainly if Gus Edwards is held back by injury or if Tyson Williams starts sharing the carries a little bit there though there's not as many carries as there are on other teams because of Lamar Jackson running the ball as well. Um, six million could be a, an intriguing price, certainly as an enabler. If he's going to get even five to ten touches, um, you know that would definitely be worth considering at six million. Um, similar kind of similar kind of position, I suppose, we're in with uh, with Quez Watkins. But I think with, with Edwards. Even if they were to bring in a veteran back at this stage, I still don't think it harms him harms him that much. And I think again, the the ceiling that you get from a twelve million running back who has already shown on limited opportunity that he can put up good yardage as an average, he can he can score with goal line touches. It's hard to find a receiver at twelve million, for example that's going to give me the same potential output that I'm going to get from a Gus Edwards. Um, you know, we, we could be talking, you know, there were some, some weeks last season where he's scoring 10, 12, 17, 14, and that's behind other players in the depth chart at the time. The fact that he's now primary running back in that depth chart and still priced at 12 million, 
I'm probably not going to be getting 10, 12, 14, 16 points per week out of receivers that are priced at 12 million. So for me, is this a bit of a gamble? Of course, I suppose, because of his situation. You know, Lamar Jackson's there. We don't know how much of his carries are going to be split between him and Williams. We don't know if they'll bring in a veteran back. But I think his ceiling at 12 million mark is too good for me to turn away from. And prior to maybe about two hours before we came on this pod this evening, he hadn't even really come into my thoughts much. Obviously, I knew he was there. I knew what he was priced at. But, you know, I think the the news of Justice Hill being injured has just reinforced it for me as well, that there just really isn't much in the backfield at the moment for Baltimore. Um, And even at at 12, if I do choose to move off him, the, the time when I do choose to do so, there may have been an emergence at wide receiver at that point around that sort of 10 to 12 million bracket. So I still think it's an easy pivot to someone else if I wanted to go down that route. Yeah, it definitely felt like last season, as it, as it went on, the coaches started trusting Edwards more, I think. And um, and he was a, you know, I've, he's been a popular pick anyway. Even before Dobbins got injured, he was um, like, for example, in best ball, I mean, I was picking him up from pretty much all my best balls, I think. I didn't obviously. I didn't do that because I thought Dobbins was going to get injured in preseason. I did it because he had a role still to play, and I still think he does. I think around a similar price as players like Naheem Hines as well. It was like half a million more, which you could afford with a smaller, def- uh, cheaper defense. So that's the sort of that'll give you the options if it turns out Edwards' role isn't as much as we're expecting. But he does look and appear like it's going to be great value at that price. The only well, not the only, but I suppose the main concern you have is is it's been a while since Baltimore have had sort of a lead back, you know, a workhorse or anything like that. And also, like you say, Lamar Jackson steals a lot of touchdowns from the running backs, etc. So, um, yeah, but I think he's a great price. And say it enables you to have your sort of three wide receiver ones as well. Yeah. And th- another player I've got my eye on is Sonny Michelle at 10. Um, so if it turns out that Daryl Henderson so far in his young career has struggled to stay on the field for any length of time or any run of games, um, and I can't imagine that the Rams have brought Sony Michelle in to sip Gatorade on the sideline, I do think he will be involved in the touches in the backfield there. Um, certainly with a share, I think we will go down a similar route to what a team like San Francisco's employed in in recent seasons where it's been a committee of backs there. So at 10 million, I think there's upside there with Sony Michelle as well if he hits the ground running. Um, mm. so yeah, but he's, he's think, injury prone as well, though, isn't he? He is, yeah. Uh, but I think in more so, Mark, just to illustrate that there are ways to pivot off Edwards if this experiment of mine doesn't work. Um, but fingers crossed it does. That's what I'm I'm hanging my hat on. Um, so yeah other than that we've got a Minnesota Vikings defence and we've already touched on defences Mark we don't like spending money there Um, I think the only reason why I chose the Minnesota Vikings defence was because they don't have too bad of a run of games to start the season I don't think Um, so they've got the Bengals the Cards, the Seahawks, the Browns the Lions, the Panthers that's not a bad little start. 
Um, I've no doubt they'll pick up some wins there on the road and at home. So there's not really much to the defence. I looked at the 9.5s, um, you know, the Bears were there as well. But I'll go with the Vikings because I think the Vikings will be pushing around those playoff places again. Um, yeah. so, I've seen you know, a lot of people cleverer than me saying on Twitter that the uh, Vikings defences should be greatly improved this year. So. Well, fingers crossed on that. There you go. Top analysis right. about defences. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that rounds us off. That is our team week, uh, team week, game week one team reveals. Uh, we will be posting these on the socials as well, Mark, I'm sure, before Thursday, along with our links. If you do want to join the fun at Fan Team, you can go to fanteam.com, but we will have some personalised links on Twitter as well, and we will pop some in the description. I believe this is also going to go out as a podcast. Um, I hope I'm right there, and yeah, I've not just dropped us so. in it, but drop Murph in it for the workload. But um, yeah, you can catch us on all major podcasts as well. We will be doing this weekly, Mark, won't we? So we will be uh-huh. back week on week, you'll see the progression within our teams, you'll see what changes we're making throughout the season and we'll be talking through it week on week on how we're doing um, and what changes we do make and why Um, obviously we're not going to have a team reveal quite like this every single week but moving forward we'll be reviewing what's gone well the week before for us and then what we're maybe looking to change or what we've got our eye on moving forward so there's going to be plenty to discuss over the course of the season but we will be back with you at a similar time again next week. Fingers crossed. We're both up there on the leaderboard, Mark, or certainly I am. I'm not too bothered about what you <laughs> in all honesty, mate. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully next week we'll be live. So if people have any questions, they can, you know, hop onto the YouTube stream and just fire the matters and stuff. So that's the plan anyway, isn't it? So we shall see. But yeah, it's been, I think it's been a, it's, I don't know about you, but I'm even more excited about the season starting now. It's yeah. like in two days from when we're recording this. So, um, yeah, I just want to create some more lineups now. Yeah, cannot wait. Don't forget, lock your lineups in before the game on Thursday night. If you do want to interact or any questions that you do have for the show, you can get me on Twitter at Nick of Wigan. Listeners or viewers to this show will see our names on there. But anyone that's listening back on the podcast, at Nick of Wigan. And where can the listeners find yourself, Mark? At underscore SMRF. I think one thing we do actually need to put out there, Mark, is, and people, again, who listen to our show will know that we always tell people to gamble responsibly. This is your money that you are spending. This is essentially still a form of gambling, what you are doing. So make sure that you do only spend what you can afford to lose and gamble responsibly. I think we need to get it out there to the listeners, Mark. How should we really be signing off this show? Because we've always signed it off with draft responsibly and that yeah. just does not feel relevant not anymore so i think we, we lost get it out there we lost our you know our puddles ends in tears gag as well because we're not covering DraftKings tears anymore so we kind of need a gag ending really don't we we do we'll put that out there and see see what the suggestions come back as <laughs> maybe your suggestion will be featuring this time next week but we will like. yeah <laughs> absolutely we will Hopefully, see you all again same time next week. Best of luck in week one.
all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.